Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Good to be back, and the AFTN podcast is back. We decided to take most of July off with the busy month of August coming up. We thought we'd recharge our batteries a little and just have a little bit of time off, a little bit of vacation time. But now we're back. Well, at least I'm back. Steve's not back yet. He'll be back hopefully for the next episode. It's episode 120 of the AFTN podcast. I'm your host, Michael McCall. And although it's just me that you have to listen to in these in-between segments, we've got a lot of guests coming up in the show. So let's kick things off right away with some Whitecaps chat with Harjeet Johal. So we're joined now by our special guest, Harjit Jahal, as we head back from Whitecaps training. Doing this in the car, because Har likes to do it in the car, apparently. Yeah, there's a lot of comfortable seats in the car, you know. So we're going to talk some Whitecaps just with Har. So it's been a while since we, we talked Whitecaps. It's been a, an interesting couple of weeks. Three games the the Whitecaps had gone without a win, but they did get that vital point in Portland. Then they got that huge win against San Jose on Sunday. Can we officially stop talking about a summer slump now? Well, it was San Jose, and San Jose is not a very good football team, as we know. They had Juan Dolowski fly in from Philadelphia that morning. If you look at the lineup, San Jose is dreadful, so I wouldn't put the brakes on the summer slumber just yet. Let's see how they do in this Seattle game the next week in the CONCACAF Champions League, and then they've got RSL the next Saturday. they got a lot of games coming up. They're getting healthy bodies. It's really the start of a busy August crunch time. Let's see how they do in the first couple matches. I'm not quite there and ready to write off the summer swoon. Let's see how it goes. Talking about August, it's... It is busy. I mean, eight games, it's the busiest time for the Whitecaps since they joined the MLS era. Three different competitions are fighting for as well, and they've got a good chance to to be successful in all three competitions. Now, there's got to be squad rotation. There's no way about it. No ifs and buts. There's no way that players can play all eight games. How do you see the Whitecaps prioritising the three tournaments? And what what about you yourself? Where would you kind of prioritise them? Well, for myself, I would prioritize as MLS. I would say that has to be first. And then I would go CONCACAF Champions League, and then I'd go the Canada Cup. 
Really, you want to solidify a home playoff date. Currently, they're number two in the Western Conference, and they need to stay there to make sure they, they miss the first round, the knockout elimination in the MLS playoff. So I put it down to MLS first, CONCACAF second, and the ACC third. I'd go with your strongest lineup uh, this coming Saturday and then home to RSL. Maybe you put in the young guys when you play Seattle back in Vancouver, put in a couple of veterans. But for the most part, it's MLS is number one. You've got to go and get that. It's so tight in the Western Conference, you need to get the points while you can before all these big-name DPs start coming in and scoring goals and helping their team. So, yeah, MLS all the way. Yeah, I, I agree that MLS has to be the main priority. It's the bread and butter. It's what the team plays in every week. So, I mean, it's really important that they that they kind of get some points, especially against Seattle, because they, they've got a four-point lead over them just now. Get a win on Saturday, you're increasing that to seven. And at this stage of the season, that is massive. It's so tight in the West just now, the teams are just really, really joined together that any slip-ups and the pack's back on top of you again. As for the prioritising of the other two competitions, it's a tough one. They want to do well, it's their first ever Champions League campaign, so obviously they want to do well in that. At the same time, they've got a better chance of winning a trophy in the Canadian Championship because they only have two games to play in that and if they can get through those successfully then they win a trophy at the end of it and they then qualify for next year's Champions League. I think the way that the club are looking at it, I agree with what you said, the higher ups, the executive in the club, their big target for this year is to do better in MLS in the standings than last year and to go further than before which also includes getting a home playoff date. After that, I know the fans would probably prioritise the Canadian Championship and I kind of go with that a little bit as well because of the fact that, what I said, two games and you can win a trophy at the end of it. But you also want to show well in Champions League and that can put the Whitecaps on an international stage. Can they go and win the Champions League? I don't know. They've got Latino players that I think are made for the Champions League. So you're saying about playing the strongest team on Saturday, I kind of agree with that. But I'd like to see Wednesday's game against Seattle being very Latino heavy. I just think they're kind of made for that competition. I know it's only Seattle, but with CONCACAF refs, I just think that they'll be able to work them a little bit better. Yeah, you never know what you're going to get with the, uh, the performances from Latino players. That's not just the Whitecaps, but any any team. Uh, consistency is a bit of an issue and they're amazing so we'll see how uh, if Pedro plays, maybe Nico, Octavio, Diego Rodriguez even. We'll see how that goes and you mentioned the CONCACAF referees. We never know what rule book or napkin they're going to bring out of their back pocket so that's always a surprise and you just have to go and look at uh, how things have unfolded in Chile to see how everything's perceived so yeah, the Wednesday CONCACAF Champions League match, it could be a lot of surprises. It could uh, give us lots of talking points. So it's it's always a good match, and we'll see what happens with these Seattle games. Uh, hopefully no more bad news, Barrett. I, I'm particularly looking forward to, to Wednesday's Champions League game and just the whole Champions League campaign. It's something I've wanted to see since I started watching the Caps in 2008, and they've been so close so many times that it's great to finally see it, though. 
Now you talked about referees, Mark Geiger gets the Cap Seattle game on Saturday, a great reward for the guy obviously. So Seattle are in a little bit of a slump at the moment, if you look at the form guide they're actually bottom of the table in, in terms of how many points and, and wins that they've got in recent weeks. Obviously a Cascadian derby, it's never going to be easy, but is this a great time to catch Seattle? Do you expect to see all their big guys back in the team? And do you think that we're going to see the Sounders lift the Cascadia Cup on Saturday by getting a win over the Whitecaps? No, I do not think the Sounders will win the Cascadia Cup on Saturday. We've seen how well the Whitecaps have performed in Seattle at CenturyLink the last few seasons. Kakuta Mane especially, starting off with a hat-trick a few years ago. Whitecaps thrive in that environment. Uh, Tim Parker was talking about how excited he is to go down there. He's never played in Seattle before, so I think the Whitecaps will be pumped up. A lot of the, the fans and the players make it a great atmosphere. I think it's going to be just fantastic. So, uh, yeah, I think Seattle's ripe for the picking. We'll see how much Dempsey plays. They've got uh, Obafemi Martins, who's a bit nicked up, uh, several other players. Marco Papa's not even in on the team right now. He's in rehab, so definitely a Seattle team that's not all together right now, missing pieces, kind of like the Whitecaps were a few weeks ago. So it should be even match both teams with uh, some star players, but clearly not everyone at full strength. So it's going to be a cracker. It certainly is, and I, I fancy the Whitecaps to get the job done with maybe a, a 2-0, 2-1, 3-1 victory. I think, I think they can definitely win it by two goals. I think we're going to see Kakuta heavily marked this time, and that's going to be good for the Whitecaps because I think it's going to free up Teixeira on the other wing, assuming it's Teixeira that gets the start for the, the injured Mauro Rosales. Now, you mentioned about the big-name players coming into MLS. We're, we'll only touch on that briefly, but obviously there's been a big influx of them. Whitecaps so far have been quiet in the transfer window. Do you think they need to actually add someone to be able to compete with these big spending teams down the stretch? Or do you think that the depth is good enough to, to handle three competitions and to, to get what they're hoping for, which is a, a bit of a lengthier playoff run this year? Yeah, I think the Whitecaps' depth, it's pretty good. It, it is really good. But I still think they need that extra, that one guy to kind of push them over the hump. I don't know who that is, probably a striker, someone who can get forward has a lot of pace or maybe a big guy that has a lot of height either one of the two would be a great addition Whitecaps probably don't want to spend a lot of money as who would so their options have limited I know they've been approached about certain players about players they've not been able to find the right match with the right fit for the team there's a lot of factors to consider so Robbo, he's still searching. Uh, Greg Anderson and Bobby Leonard Doozy, they've been out at Whitecaps trading a lot over the last few weeks. It really does not sound like anything's imminent or anything's close to being done. What I see happening is I think they'll bring somebody in probably towards the end of August, maybe early September, kind of like we saw with Mauro Rosales last year. And uh, yeah, something maybe a bit later on when it's died down. We'll have to see how they do in this next month, the next few weeks. But yeah, I think they want to bring someone in. It's not going to be a DP. It's not going to be a guy on a whole bunch of money. They've said they don't operate like that. They don't want to, you know, 
shake the core foundation of the group. So I think it'll be minor tweak, maybe something small. We'll have to see what uh, Robbo's got up his short sleeves. Yeah, I mean, from what Robbo said, he doesn't want to bring in somebody that's just a squad player. He wants to bring somebody in that makes a difference. And to do that, it's going to be tough. And you also have to look as well as like who then moves out. Because Rivero, he's not scoring goals, but it's like, I don't know if it's at the stage that you'd want to drop him yet. But aside from that, you've got the fact that you've got Teixeira, Mane, Mauro and Pedro. And the four of them kind of take up those three roles in the 4-2-3-1. I think if Robbo wants to bring in a difference maker in the strikers department, is going to have to signal also maybe a change of formation. We're going to hear from Robbo in a little bit talking about that and whether he needs to move players on to bring somebody in. So we'll talk about that shortly as well. But for now, thanks for joining us, Har. And just before we go, Har, just let everyone know where they can find you online. You can find my White Cup stuff at Red Nation Online. You can find my women's soccer stuff at Equalizer Soccer. Twitter is at Har Journalist. And for a bonus, you can always see my stuff making the rounds down in Chile on the national news. Yep, Har's very big in Chile. Check that out. So thanks for joining us, Har. And we'll be back with Carl Robinson. So as Har and me were saying there, very, very busy month of August coming up. Eight games, three different competitions, and I, I do fancy the Whitecaps' chances to do well in all three of the competitions that they're in, hopefully lifting some silverware in the process by winning their first ever Voyager's Cup. But as we're talking about there, it's difficult to know like how the club are going to try and prioritise these things. We've all got our own opinions. Should they concentrate mostly in the league? Should they try and make a concerted run at the Champions League? Do they want to lift that first Voyager's Cup and, and get into next year's Champions League as well? So much to play for, so many different permutations. And Carl talked this week about how he's already drawn up eight different starting lineups for the game, so there's going to be a lot of squad rotation. So let's hear from Carl Robinson now, just talking during the week about the game's coming up, how he can prioritise them, just his plans for it. And it all kicks off with this double header against Seattle. MLS on Saturday, Champions League on Wednesday. What's Carl going to do? What's Seattle going to do? Let's hear now from the coach himself. Here's Carl Robinson. How far ahead will you map out your lineups or you just sort of take it on a week-by-week week type thing? To you, I'll tell you that I take it on a week-by-week, week, but if you come into my office, you'll see these eight teams put up on the board, but that's subject, obviously, to change. So it's all very well planning things, but sometimes things get taken out of your hands. So we'll concentrate on a big game on the weekend. We've got, you know, it's a massive game against Seattle, uh, one that we've got to look forward to. You know, you don't need to build up games between us and Seattle. and said to the group in there, you know, we know we've got the youngest group in Major League Soccer. We've got one or two that are still trying to regain their fitness, um, you know, but 
building it up to be a big game or something we don't need to do. I said, you just got to look at, you know, their the budget on one of their players is more than my whole roster put together. So it's a great challenge for us to go into their, their own backyard and, and, and try and get a result because it'll be a fantastic challenge for us. And how, do you, how do you prior to prioritize the two games? I mean, obviously we're going to look at it if we see your regular starting lineup out there Saturday, yeah. we're going to say that's the priority for you. But can, can you? Can you prioritize? Yeah, I can do. And Saturday's game is the most important game for me. And uh, once we get past Saturday's game on Saturday night, I'll tell you Wednesday's game is the most important. And uh, I think you've reminded me before that I've played different lineups in most of the games I've played. So nothing will change there, Gary. So, you, you know, you'll have to write a bit more about that. So uh, Saturday's game is, is, is our main focus. Uh, it's a great challenge for us. It really is. Carl, furthermore to Peter's question, when you have the schedule that you do this month, playing matches in three different, you know, champions contests, how do you map that out? And, and how much of a chess match is it with your lineup and with your own head as to, you know, the month ahead and where that lies? Well, football's not easy at the best of times, and uh, we, we've done okay so far. We're in a, a decent position. This time last year, when we weren't getting results in this period of the season, we weren't in the um, cup final and we weren't in Champions League, um, but we were still, you know, getting asked about how we do it. And, you know, now we've managed to get to the, the Amway Cup final. We've also got managed to for the first time ever get in the Champions League um, we deal with it we don't complain about it rotation of squad will be paramount for us and young players more young players will be given chances and players just want to play games it, it really is a great challenge for us these next next eight games or next four or five weeks that we've got ahead of us and who knows the outcome you know well, five weeks I'll be stood here and then it'll, I'll either have a big smile on my face or I won't have a big smile on my face is your job slightly easier in the fact that the West, the way that it's shaping up in the West, I mean, you don't have to crack the whip on these guys as far as training goes, the way that you lose a match or two and you're in yeah. uh, It's, um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm a pretty positive person, as we all know, and I don't crack the whip too often. I, I keep them, the competition in amongst themselves uh, on a regular basis. I think you see today the, the group that didn't start were, were very competitive, and it's important we do that. And you know, I'll, uh, I'll just focus on our business. If we concentrate on our business, we'll be fine. How do you think the West is going to finish the way that, the way that it's going right now? Have you got three hours? <laughs> uh, I wouldn't I have a clue. Exactly, I mean, yeah, no, do you know what? I don't know. Every week it's different, and every week there's an opportunity for you or a lost opportunity. And the only thing I'll say is every team is, you know, we've got 11 Western Conference games, and all the other teams are obviously playing Western Conference. So each week it's going to be different, and it's going to be neck and neck. We know it's tough. Some great teams, some great coaches in there. Um, you know, and we just got to concentrate on ourselves. And if we do that, we're in with a chance. Is this, is this a, look at this as a good time to catch Seattle. They haven't scored in three games. His fans seem to be getting on the team a little bit. Ziggy's under pressure. Do you, do you no. like going into their stadium when the team's struggling like this? We, we like playing them because it's a derby game. Um, is it a good time to play them? When's the best time to play Seattle? You know, they're a top, top team. They, you know, they spent a, spot, a lot of money um, back Ziggy to the Hilton. You know, Ziggy's a top manager, so there's never an easy time to play Seattle, and you can read into it what you want, whether their, their record is, you know, they lost a couple of games. They'll be there or thereabouts at the end of the year, and without a doubt, they always are. You know, for them, it's about trying to get over that final hurdle and trying to win MLS Cup like LA Galaxy. So uh, we know it's going to be a difficult game for us. Um, you know, whoever's on the field, whether they're top guys or not, or whether it's our top guys or not, it's about who performs. And if we get it right, we'll create chances. If we create chances, we've got a chance of winning. There's five MLS games this month. Obviously, you want to have five wins out of them. But having that little bit of breathing space now over Seattle, Portland, and also the team in sixth, does it kind of give you an element that if you can maybe concentrate a little bit more on CCL for some of the games? and just Nope. 
because it'll change in a week if we lose a game and the, the three teams behind us win a game it's neck and neck again so it won't change uh, our thought process uh, me and the coaches will will be fully focused on the game on Saturday to start with and then we'll address the Champions League in the Amway uh, later on down the line but we, we want to, I'm confident in this group whether whoever steps across that line and whether they're younger or older, uh, whether I rotate the squad, uh, I'm confident that we can get a result in any game uh, and that won't change and we will get results in some games and we probably won't get results in other games and the ones we do it'll be the right thing and the ones we don't it'll be the wrong thing. It's the right thing for the group uh, moving forward towards the end of the season. Robinson talking about a few things there. Now, the Whitecaps are going to head into the game against Seattle on Saturday with, I think, a very strong lineup. The back four is likely to be the experienced old heads that did so well to, to give the Whitecaps such a great start back at the start of the season. So you're going to have Ousted and Goal, Betasure, Harvey on the left. And I, I think that Robo will continue with Carr and Boston in the middle. And then give the other guys like Parker, Dean, Rodriguez, some of the minutes during these Champions League, some of the other MLS games and also the two Voyagers Cup matches. Russell Tybert's back in the mix as well. I don't know if he's going to get the start on Saturday. I think that Robo might just continue to go with Kofi and Laba for this one. Now Russell, as we know, is away with Canada. Was back, didn't start the game on Sunday against San Jose, but did come on after about the hour mark. And then he was away again on homegrown duty in the MLS All-Star game for the MLS All-Star homegrown side against Club America under-20s. So let's just hear a little bit from Russell now, just talking about that experience and, and how he found playing under a, a veteran and an American soccer legend in Landon Donovan. What was your MLS homegrown experience? You were on the pitch for 60 minutes? Yeah, 59. I don't know. You know, that one minute was a big deal. Um, but uh, it was a good experience. Um, happy to be there. Happy to play with some of the most talented young players throughout the MLS. Um, it was my second homegrown game and uh, another great experience uh, playing for Landon. Um, probably the most experienced, the most trophied. Uh, Le American legend, um, great experience. I always loved playing against him. Um, and I, th I told him that I love playing against him, love watching him play. But it was a real pleasure to uh, to play for him. Were you able to have a chat with him at all? And did, did he uh, say anything to you? You can share with us. Uh, yeah, it was, it was actually uh, nice to get to know him off the field because only, like I said, I only played against him. Um, so it was real cool to uh, to see him as a manager on the day. Um, not only is he a great professional, was a great professional. He's a, I think he's an even better person. So Russell Tybert there just talking about his experience at the homegrown game during the All-Star Week in Colorado. So I'm not sure whether Russell will get the start on Saturday, but he's, he's going to be pretty fresh because he hasn't played a full 90 minutes for a long, long time now, either for Canada or for the Whitecaps. Christian Teixeira is back after his suspension and his time off with his family back in Uruguay. I expect him probably to start out on the right, have to have Kakut on the left the way that he terrorises Seattle down there. Like I said when I was speaking to Har, I think he's going to get a lot of heavy attention, Kakuta, down in Seattle. And that is going to be good for the Whitecaps because it's going to free up some stuff on the other side. And Kakuta's a guy, even if you give him heavy attention, 
once he is in full flow with the ball at his feet, you might know what he's going to do, but he is hard to stop. Now, Pedro Morales made his return to the team as a sub, a late sub on Sunday's game. Now, Carroll had said after that that he kind of brought him on a little bit sooner than he had maybe planned. He maybe only planned to give him 10 minutes or so. Ended up giving him 20 minutes. And he looked good. Training this week as well, he's been moving around, everything looks good. He is a little bit still bandaged up on that left calf. So he's not going to be good to go. I don't see him starting against Seattle. Nicolas Mosquera has come in the last couple of games and he's linked up really well with Octavio Rivero. The two of them obviously have an understanding going back years from when they played together as youths. Friends off the pitch as well and they did well in pre-season. And I think giving the pair of them a little bit of a run together in the team might kind of help unlock Octavio because we know the goals are going to come again from Octavio at some point. Yeah, he got a penalty on Sunday. Still hasn't scored from open play in 11 games though. And I think it is just around the corner. And then once he starts getting his goals again, I think he's going to click, click, click. And we're going to see a lot more of them. One guy, though, that isn't likely to be featuring for a few weeks, unfortunately, is Mauro Rosales. Now, Mauro picked up another injury at the weekend against San Jose. Robo revealed during the week that it is actually a groin injury. And he was watching from the sidelines at training on Thursday won't feature. Carl thinks he's maybe going to be missing for one to two weeks and that's maybe an optimistic look. Myra himself, it's a frustrating time for him. He gets to miss playing Seattle for the second time this season. You know he'd be up for going back to his home club and to put on a show there. But let's hear a little bit from Myro at training on Thursday, just talking about the first goal that he got as a white cap last weekend and just his latest injury. To get that position to score, and uh, uh, it wasn't a good position either, but uh, I scored anyway. So uh, happy for my first one with the team. Happy for obviously to have the team uh, start uh, in the game and uh, get much much better in the uh, during the game. And uh, uh, I hope it's not the only one. I can score again. Well, you, you know, you've had probably more injuries this year maybe than a year and a half than you've had before are you worried a little bit about the body breaking down or i didn't have many no no i had an, had an ankle I have two. even yeah two but uh, or, or is it just i think is if you play to the limits you, uh, you are more <laughs> going to get dangerous anyways if you play slow and then you play like taking care of your body <laughs> this is not my my style so uh, I don't think I get injured too much this week and this year, and I think it's my best year. Yeah. So Mauro Rosales there just talking about that first goal. The last goal he got in MLS was actually against the Whitecaps for Chivas, so it was nice to see him getting back on the score sheet again. Really don't know how the guy doesn't get more goals because he, he's just always in and about the action, and he's going to be a big loss for the Whitecaps if he is out for a couple of weeks. On the plus side, as long as the Whitecaps can kind of keep up with their pace in the West, then when we get Myro back September, end of September, he's going to be a bit fresher and look good going into the stretch and hopefully for what will be a long postseason run. Now, the question that has been asked to Carl Robinson constantly in the last couple of weeks at training is, is he going to be bringing in any new additions? Is he going to be busy in the transfer market? What's his thoughts on clubs bringing in the likes of Lampard, Gerrard, Drogba now in Montreal? Now, I think we kind of have to admit the Whitecaps are not going to compete with those big names. 
It's a topic for another day. We've discussed it before. I think that's a good thing because it's more disruptive for the team. Doesn't guarantee success just spending all that money on one player. And especially an ageing player, somebody like Drogba, it's like, yeah, he'll get a few goals, but at what cost to, to Montreal and the development of any younger players there? So let's hear a little bit from Robo now, just talking about the transfer window. How close he is to maybe bringing in someone else in, making an addition to the squad before the window closes next week. And does he actually have to move players on to be able to bring some new faces in? So let's hear the thoughts of that now from Carl Robinson. Well, the, the other day you said you were closer than you were the day before in terms of adding somebody. Yeah. Uh, where do you sit right now in terms of... Uh... Probably a bit like the Western Conference. Now it's gone the other way. So, um, yeah, it's, it'll probably change again tomorrow. So, would, would, Will you be disappointed if, if you can't add somebody before the window closes? If I don't add anyone? Yeah. I'm never disappointed, Gary. Um, you know, I try and put on this... Yeah, no, I try and, even when we lose, I, I try and take positives out. And, you know, I'll, I'll say to you, I'm disappointed, so you don't say that I haven't got any feelings, because I've got feelings. And it's important we keep things in, you know, a reality check here. We, we've had a very good start to the year. We're building. We've got the youngest group in Major League Soccer, and, you know, we're exciting to watch. Of course, we can be better in certain areas. And do I want to add to the squad? I'm constantly looking to try and add to this group to make us better. And if I feel it's right, we will. Will we be signing a... Uh, Steven Gerrard? No, we won't. I think that's fair to say, and you know, nothing will change there, whether it's today, tomorrow, the next day, or the day after. Is part of the re the fact that Dallas, yourselves, and DC United, who don't have a big star, are the top three teams in the league right now, is that one of the cautionary reasons why you, you know, not want to do a big splash like that? Do you know what? You know, I'm two years into this this larky, and um, I don't know what the right thing to do is. Uh, and I don't mean that in a negative way. You know, we've bought players in at this club. You know, we bought Kenny mid-season, we bought Barry mid-season. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And Thierry Henry, when we were at New York, we bought him in mid-season and it, it didn't quite kick us on to, to try and win it. So I don't, LA bought Robbie Keane and they won it. So I don't know what the right way to do it is. And the proof is in the pudding at the end of the year. So I'll do it based upon you know, the building blocks for this football club that I've put in place and, you know, we'll deal with the consequences after, you know, and I want to bring players in. I've shown that in January, I've brought a number of players in. In January, there'll be more players coming in, which we know are available to us. But at this moment, with the introduction of the TAM money, sometimes, you know, people make knee-jerk reactions and decisions and we won't do that. I won't do that. Carl, what do you think it says about the league, though, that, you know, more and more guys are coming here. Some of them, yes, have the tail of their career, and some of them maybe not so much. What do you think it says about the league right now? But it's the bet, there's better players coming into the league. The, the quality is improving. And I, I said to you all the time, I talk about you know the officiating, which I get asked a lot about. And you know the organisations are getting better. There's more money being spent. There's better players coming into the league. So everything needs to improve. Coaching as well. Coaching needs to improve. And you know when you see Perlo and Gerard and Lampard and Drogba and Wright Phillips and all these guys coming in into the league, which are over you know 30, mid 30s. You know, I've shown the model that I want to bring in here is, is bringing young players through. Uh, that won't change. And, you know, maybe in 10 days' time I'll sign a 37-year-old and surprise you all, but it probably won't happen. Squad numbers yeah. like, how Do you have to move somebody else on before you can bring someone in, or do you have to be at the same time? Yeah, I'm able to. I've got a little bit of flexibility in my roster. I'm able to uh, juggle one or two things, which, if I want to do it, because uh, I think it's right, then I will do. Um, so there's no rush in that. Uh, if I don't bring anyone in, I don't bring anyone in.
So it was Robo there talking about the, the latest transfer speculation or lack of it. Now, lots of people are saying that they kind of need to bring in another striker. And yeah, we do. We need somebody that can maybe help Octavio a little bit up front, take some of the workload off his shoulders. Darren Mattox is coming back from Jamaica in lots of form. Go in the Gold Cup semi-final, go in the Gold Cup final. Really good performances for Jamaica in both the Gold Cup and in the Copa America. Not sure what it is about Matic, that when he puts a Jamaican jersey on, he looks like a different player and he can finish those chances. But hopefully it's going to give him the boost now to to just kick on a little bit and maybe unlock and get a few goals for the Whitecaps in, in MLS play down the stretch here. Of course, the other forward option that Whitecaps have, the underused one, mainly due to some injuries he's picked up this season, is Robert Earnshaw. So as we're coming to the end of this podcast, we thought we would... Do another one of our fun teammates section with Robert. Now, Ernie has had a long and distinguished career. He's played for a number of clubs. He's played in a number of countries, capped for Wales, played in MLS now for three clubs, Toronto, Chicago, and now Vancouver. So we thought we'd do a, an overall teammates with him, where he could select a player that he's played alongside at any point in his career, or if he wanted, he could pick some white caps. So we're going to have a little mix here. Some of his career guys, some of his Whitecaps guys. It's a really entertaining chat. Ernie's always a lot of fun to talk to. So here's Robert Earnshaw's teammates. We are the most reliable. Definitely undeniable. It's like we're you and I about teammates, teammates. We I'll start off with some easy ones for you. Who, who's your best friend in all of football? Best friend? In, uh, I've got a few. Um, Joe Ledley at Crystal Palace in Wales. Uh, Danny Gabidon, uh, who uh, was at Cardiff last year. Uh, also Wales teammate uh, James Collins, uh, who we, we all kind of grew up together uh, at Cardiff when I was young. So we just always been friends, you know. Everybody, you know, they've gone to West Ham, Villa, and uh, Crystal Palace, and Celtic, and you know all these different teams, and uh, we've all stayed in contact. But uh, I'd probably say those guys. Um, I stay in contact with uh, with with a few, but uh, those are probably the longest uh, ones that, that I've been in contact with. What about in this team? Who would you say is your your best friend or friends on this team? Like Here, you hang out with often. Uh, a lot of the times, me and Pa. Uh, a lot of times me and Pa, Scooter is always uh, in and around us. Um, sometimes I room with Kians, uh, so I, I speak to him a, a little bit. Uh, so I'll probably say those guys. So for the rest of this, well, you, you can pick any Whitecats guys if you want, or you can pick anyone that you've kind of played alongside with all, on your whole career. So who would you say is the, the most intelligent player that you've ever played alongside with? Most intelligent player yeah. I've played alongside with? Ooh, a few. Uh, I'd probably say, intelligence-wise, if I, if I was going to pick one that stands out, I'd probably say Ryan Giggs. I'd probably say Ryan Giggs overall. I think it's intelligence in, in a way of everything he did was the right time. Because in football, people think it's about you know running around as much as you can and you know and 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 being busy and 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 scoring the final goal and everything but intelligence in football is is what you do when you do it and how consistent you do it and for him 
everything he did was absolutely spot on. There's times in training where I used to just, just make my run. Don't even worry about anything else. If I just make the right movement and the ball would be right there. And I'm thinking, he sees it, he can deliver as well. You know, and that's intelligence for me. Um, so I'll probably pick him. I think like when Kenny was here last year, that's what he was used to as well. He would mm-hmm. make runs thinking that folk were going to know exactly where to find him and that mm-hmm. was kind of part of his frustration. What about off the pitch? Like, who's the most intelligent team? Ooh, most, in- to do with football. <laughs> most intelligent. Um, there's not many. <laughs> uh, most intelligent. <laughs> Timmy Parker's up there, actually, in this team, for sure. I'd pick him. I'd pick him. Oh, uh, let me think. Actually, I'll tell you who I would pick. One of the most intelligent is probably Robbo. Actually, off the pitch, uh, he was he was one of the most intelligent because there's stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I, I'll tell you why. Because there's a few times where we used to be chatting and then something mathematical come up or whatever, and you'd be like, okay, this, 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 and you come up with the equation, and you think, huh? He just like did that in his head straight away, you know. So I would say maybe him. Uh, there's been a there's been a few others. Let me think. I, I played with a, one or two people that were thinking they're intelligent. <laughs> Robert Green, a uh, goalkeeper, he was at, I was at Norwich with him. He used to come in and sometimes, you know, be reading the Times or something like, you know, like the the paper that no one else picks yeah. up, you know. Uh, like you know, everybody picks up the sun, you know, or having a bit of banter. But he'll go off in the corner and like read the newspaper, or read a book or something, you know. It's like, um, but uh, yeah, I'd probably say those just because yeah, I'm, I'm on the spot. There's probably one or two others I've missed. I don't want to say like dumbest or least intelligent, but who's maybe not got the street smarts from someone that you've played with? <laughs> oh, cool. Uh, <laughs> not the cleverest. Um, wow. There was one or two. <laughs> there was one or two. Um, there's a couple here <laughs> that that struggle, you know. There's a couple here that struggle. I'll pick one or two that that's maybe here. I don't know. Uh, Scooter struggles sometimes. <laughs> Kian's Bustos they struggle Kian's sometimes. His name comes up a lot in this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'd maybe pick him right now. Um, all time. It's hard to think. It's hard to think. We'll settle for those white guys. Yeah, yeah, you'll, you'll settle for them. What about fitness guys? Like, who? Obviously, there's a lot of fit guys. Like, we know Russell's like always wins the fitness test here. But like, who do you think is the, the fittest guy, or who trains the hardest from everyone that you've played with over your career? Fittest? Uh, fittest? Yeah. What, I'll tell you, great trainers. Okay. Uh, great trainers. That's a little bit easier. Um, I would say great trainers. I'd say. Um, Kanu was good. Some some of the things he used to do in training, uh, and he, he always used to be ready. When the ball's around, he always used to be ready. He always used, he was very very. Uh, and he, sometimes you see him slide tackling in and every big six foot five Kanu, the skills man, you know. Uh, he used to come in and he was flying around and popping it the ball in if he needed to tackle. He was he was tackling as well. That surprised me a little bit because I thought you know maybe that side of the game he maybe. Not too, uh, you know, he wouldn't be too tackling too much and everything like this. But um, he he surprised me. Um, one of the best was Gary Speed. He was probably one of the one of the hardest trainers because you knew every training session. You knew every if it was a passing drill, if it was a shooting drill, like whatever he was doing, he was all in. You know, like every he was his quality was great as well. 
he was w probably one of the hardest trainers, I would say. Uh, I also trained a little bit with like, uh, you know, Mark Hughes and just the, uh, he was the manager at the time, but I saw him train a bit. The, you know, people like that were, were hard trainers, you know, real men. You know, when they came to work, they came to work. What about like off the pitch? Who's the laziest player you've known? Like, who could you never get out of bed? Could be somebody here again, but here, 100% Scooter, because he sleeps all the time. He's always in his bed. Uh, you, you, you just about. Uh, yeah. Ethan is the other one. Ethan is another one that you just always. You, you, he's just sleeping. Those guys just love to sleep. Um, all time. Peter Whittingham, he's up there. He never wants to do anything. <laughs> I played with him at Cardiff City. Uh, great player, great, great player. I've got so much time for him, but yeah, he's just, he wasn't bothered about anything off the pitch. You know, very just, yeah, you know, everything just rolls by him, not a care in the world. What about, like, well, just some quick fire ones. Like, who's the best dancer? Like, obviously, you guys in the past, I'm sure you went out a lot, but <laughs> like, who's, who's the best dancer? Who had the best skills? Better dancer. Um, and the worst one as well. Best dancer. I tell you, uh, we had Nathan Blake. Uh, I played with him with Wales. Uh, he was Blackburn Wolves and uh, he was a good dancer. He could move. Uh, worst dancer, probably Robbie Savage. <laughs> I saw him, you know, just try to bop to some music sometimes and I'm thinking he's got no rhythm. So I'll maybe pick him. Uh, Paz got moves. Um, See how the older guys do. The yeah, real, I've got the real dancer. rhythm. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd probably say. I'd probably say there. Yeah. Now, Robbie Savage, you mentioned there. He might. This, this kind of comes in my head. He might be the answer to this one. And um, what about like who's got the best dress sense and who's had the worst dress sense? I'm Ooh. thinking Robbie might fit into that one. Uh, yeah. Robbie was. Robbie might sneak up there in both categories, actually. Ah. Yeah. Sometimes yeah, Russell he, was named in both categories. Yeah, Russell. Russell's a good. Uh, Russell's a good dresser. Um, Robbie Savage definitely. At times he could be best dressed, but there's a lot of times he was definitely worst dressed, um, and he, he still he used to make sure that he tried to look good. He hasn't mentioned you yet, so <laughs> you're just setting yourself up. <laughs> uh, there's a times where he, you know, you make the effort, you know he's gone out and shopped for two or three hours at a time just for one outfit and you know, he wants to impress the guys and we used to give him some banter for, for some of his dress sense for sure. Now, uh, I watched a video of you at halftime in the game on Sunday, you were doing some shopping thing. Mm. We were in, I don't know what, some vest? What was that? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't talk, I mean, no, I'm not exactly. For, for me, I, I like to be stylish. Uh, I like to wear things that maybe somebody else might not wear, but I know I can pull off. So uh, if I wear something, it's it's normally because I can pull it off. You know, I think maybe sometimes somebody else, if they wore the same thing, they might not pull it off. That's how I put it. <laughs> what about like on this team, who's the worst dresser on the white caps? Worst dresser? Oh, there's definitely a few to that one. I would say, Kian's, it might up the, be up there. He gets mentioned. Yeah, Kian's <laughs> is up there. Scooter is definitely up there. Sometimes he just, I feel like he rolls out of bed and just comes straight in, sleepy. Um, worst dressed, Eric. Eric is one of the worst dressed, and Darren, for sure. I mean, he, Darren, when he comes in, even on a match day, his suit doesn't even fit him right. So if, if the suit doesn't fit you right, then you're struggling. 
Best taste in music, worst taste in music. Could be for your all time, could be on this team. Yeah. Best taste and worst taste. Uh, best taste? Here, I would say, I'd say Pa is very good. He knows his music uh, because we always talk about me. We, we enjoy our music, so that's one of our things. So I'd say Pa's definitely got good music. I tell you, somebody else has got very good music I've been surprised with. It's uh, Sami. Sami uh, Adekubi. Uh, he's, his music is actually very, very good. I was surprised. Um, Get range older. Yeah, yeah, he likes a bit of new, he likes a bit of old school stuff, but he, uh, he understands the rhythm. Um, so his music, I was very surprised. I'd pick him, yeah. What about uh, actually, Pedro, actually. Pedro oh. surprised me too. Pedro. See, all we hear when we go down is like all their Latin stuff. Uh -huh. right? Yeah, no, Pedro's got a mix. Pedro's got the, the, the Latin side that he likes and his, his Spanish music and everything. Uh, but Pedro's actually got a bit of rhythm. Uh, and uh, Pedro's music I like too, you know, so I'd put him up there. What about who's got the worst taste? I'm just thinking Eric because I've heard some of his stuff. Yes, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'd, put him, I'd put him there. Eric, uh, who else? Uh, Nico. Nico's music is the worst for sure in this team uh, because he puts the same three songs on. <laughs> I mean, I've only been here like five, six months, but these guys have heard the same probably three <laughs> songs for about a year and a half or whatever, however long he's been here. So, you know, uh, and everybody's complaining about Nico's music for, so I would say his. So the last thing is like, who's who's been the longest in the shower? Definitely, definitely Pa, I would say, because normally, you know, there's normally there's me and him who are always the last ones, I'd say. I'd put myself in there because normally I'm, I'm one of the last at the end of the day. And normally he's there too and there's always laughs and jokes and, and slapping each other <laughs> and soaking We've each other. We've had to wait ages for him sometimes. For yeah, yeah. Here, so. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd probably say me and him are normally last. Um, Rusty's up there too because he takes his time doing his hair and shaving yeah, and doing this. He's got rid of that horrible haircut. Yeah, so he's always one of the last ones. Um, yeah, I'd probably say us three maybe. That's great. Thank you so much yeah. for your time. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Cheers, Robert. We are the most reliable. Definitely undeniable. It's like we're you and I about teammates. So it was fun talking to Robert Earnshaw there. We had a lot more things we were going to ask him, but as you saw, we were kind of chatting away a little bit too much and time just got the better of us, so we'll, we'll speak to Robert about some other stuff later on. So just before we wrap up this episode of the podcast, it's time for something that we haven't done for a while. It's time for... Carl Robinson's Big Question. Questions and answers. Honesty lies. Yes, no you can't. But you can if you know why. Okay, so we've talked a lot about the Champions League and the MLS, but obviously the Canadian Championship's a big one as well. We've talked in the past about the clubs maybe going to have a curse in that competition. Are you considering doing a Barry Fry and pissing a neat corner flag before the game? <laughs> I don't think that would go too well down with the organisation, so no, I'll give that a miss, uh, and hopefully we can uh, change the course of our bad luck in this tournament and, and lift the trophy. Questions and answers, 
I know the ground staff probably wouldn't be too keen on the idea, but I do think that is a it's a good idea to look into to try and exercise our voyagers' cup demons. But anyway, that is it for this episode of the podcast. I'm Michael McCall. Thanks for joining us. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. You can read all our stuff on AFTN, AFTN.ca. I'm also the Whitecaps beat reporter for MLSsoccer.com, so watch out for my stuff in that. So until next time, and hopefully Steve will be back joining us, Thanks for listening, take care, and as always, mon the caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. Yeah, but-